Gentlemen, I have some good news and some bad news. Which would you prefer? Good news. Okay, the good news is the engine has exploded and we're all going to die. Hello, Dr. Dave, Radio Rock. How is that good news? I haven't yet told you how we're going to die. That's the bad news. How are we going to die? We're going to drown in the freezing waters of the North Sea. Welcome to 5050 Films. This is Peter. I'm Autumn. And the first movie we watched this week, we actually watched last week <laughs> because we marathoned three movies in a row with my parents. Um, it's called Pirate Radio. It's called Pirate Radio in North America. And in the UK, it's called The Boat That Rocked. That's right. Interesting. That's why it, was, it said that in both of the uh, things. We didn't really have pirate radio in America. I'm sure we did, but it wasn't as, like, prolific as it was in the UK because the UK had far more rules as to what you could play over the radio than they did in America. At least I'm pretty sure I could be talking out of my butt on this one. But yeah, Well, you would know more than me. Yeah, um, so the whole concept of this is, uh, this is about a pirate radio station that operates off of a large fishing trawler uh, parked in the North Sea. It is broadcasting over some public radio bands um, to uh, the UK, uh, because the UK has, you know, had a pretty regulated radio industry at the time, um, and the BBC would play less than an hour of pop music a day, pop and rock combined. Um, so this is a radio station that is basically just designed as the greatest hits radio station. They're playing all the rock stuff that's coming out. This is the mid-60s, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. So we got all kinds of stuff that's new and upcoming and, you know, a lot of really great bands are, like, evolving at this time. Um, so there's, like, a lot of new music, and no one else is playing it, so these guys are going to play it for the world. Um, we follow, uh, what was his name? His name is Carl. Carl. Yeah, we follow Carl. Uh, he shows up on the boat one day, uh, talks to Quentin, the guy who sort of runs the sh their CEO. He doesn't actually record, really, um, but he's, like, the guy who keeps the business going, um, fields advertiser calls and things like that in order to keep them afloat. Um, and he talks to him about his mother, saying that he should come here. He's having some trouble in school. Quentin is his godfather. Quentin is his godfather. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, uh, he meets the crew. Uh, we're introduced to Chris O'Dowd's character, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. Uh, Quentin is played by Bill Nye. Um, Nick Frost plays uh, one of the radio DJs. This is... A really it's like a banger cast of different dudes there's what angus what was his last name i don't remember his last nutsman or yeah nuts, nuts. angus the the nut nutsman or nutty nutsman was his nutsford name. angus nutsford yeah. but like so there this is this this like really awesome yeah thick kevin played by tom brooke um there's like this really cool cast of British comedians, plus Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah. <laughs> as like the like the American guy. There's another guy who shows up who's also American, but Philip Seymour Hoffman is like I, he's my favorite out of the two. Yeah, um, but this was this was I thought this was so good. Um, what else should we should we talk about anything else before? We sort of does it, do. I need to give any more plot description? No, I feel like that's a very good overview, and we can kind of go into scenes. 
as we speak about. One more thing before we go into like our like you know our analysis of favorite stuff. Um, during this movie, there is the secondary plot of um, these people in the British government that are trying to shut the pirate radio station down. Yeah, that is. Um, so you'll occasionally get cutaways to what's going on with them. Um, the man's name is Twat. The lady's name is Clit. Um, and they and there's their boss, who's like some dickhead PM, uh, and they're all sort of trying to figure out how to ban the pirate radio stations, um, mostly because they think they're obscene. So yeah, this is exactly the kind of movie Peter would love, and I'll I'll give you a rundown as to why. Number one, Oops. it is British. Oh. There, there are a lot of British actors. It is, even though it's set in the ocean, it is like a UK set movie. Um, it is set in the ocean on a boat, mm-hmm. which is something that Peter enjoys. It is a coming of age story, not to mention a British coming of age story, which is something that Peter really enjoys. We see Carl kind of like have his found family uh, on this ship, make friends, um, you know, lose his virginity, all of that sort of stuff. Um, very reminiscent of a lot of movies that Peter had me watch when we first started dating, um, that are his, his cup of tea. Um, it's funny. There are parts of it that, that really make you laugh. Um, and it's a bunch of white guys. Oh, that's really mean. (laughs) I don't just watch movies with white guys in them. No, it was, but it it is, it was very good. And there was a couple, there's a couple black dudes in there too. Like, there's... There was one. Yeah, there was one black guy. <laughs> I think. Was there? Yeah, there was. Right? One, and I don't even know if he got a name. I think he probably vaguely did at the beginning. I'll just let you know about that. I don't... He's not on the... Wait, is that him? He is, but IMDb's uh, locking him out. They really don't want us to know. Harold. Harold, yeah. You know, it's... You know. I, 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 I also... I thought this was great. I, I love Phil, Philip Seymour Hoffman was probably one of my favorite like characters in it, because so all these guys are like, like the like rock star DJ type people, you know, and they got like girls. They're like girls are like taking boats up to their ship to like basically like groupie these yeah, different radio the station guys like have sex home. with them, you know. <laughs> um, and Philip Seymour Hoffman as the Count uh, was probably like. He's my favorite. He had, like, some of the coolest, like, lines when he's on the ship, you know. Um, like, like just doing his, like, radio casting. Yeah, was, seeing him really cool. on a big boat like this was very reminiscent of The Master, which you watched earlier this year. These movies have, like, nothing in common. No, Which can not. be evidenced by the fact that I really did not enjoy The Master, and I thought that pirate radio was pretty good. But... Yeah, just seeing him on a on a boat definitely like jogged my memory about that movie. Yeah, and I mean, the, overall, I think the best part about this for me is that this is like a historical comedy, which I love it, and the Brits do these really well. You know, they'll like they'll find some little like time period or a little bit they want to like. All right, we're gonna make a fun story that's set in this historically, you know, significant period of time so like this did really like this kind of thing did really happen this boat might not have been its own you know this is probably fictionalized i actually don't know maybe it was real but there were a lot of pirate radio stations in the 1960s particularly because the bbc was not you know they 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 weren't playing popular music there they would only play like classical stuff um these old you know stuff that was basically you know 
turning into old music at the time. It is so refreshing to watch a historically based movie that is a comedy. And it was fun. It, now that you say that, like, that really does make me... Because so many um, historical based, even, you know, books and other media as well, is, like, leans more towards the, the serious mm-hmm. side because they're, like, really trying to focus on the history. But I definitely prefer things more like this where you can kind of, like, celebrate the positive aspects of that time period or or even just make a like exactly what this is like have a ragtag group of characters and these are their circumstances and you can kind of follow them through that um i thought that that was really enjoyable but i think my favorite character was simon who i don't think actually has a radio station he's not a dj is he who simon chris o'dowd's character Uh, yeah i think that's no he does his name's Simon. Right? Yeah, Simon the Love Guru or whatever. He's one of the earlier morning slots. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, he's he does. I forget. What, I think he calls himself the Love Guru or something. It's it's you know because they're all like playing up the sex factor of them, you know, and it's like very play, you know played up for the listeners too. They're like, ah, yeah. oh, so so hot, whatever they're, you know. They're rock stars, basically. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, no. He's, yeah, he has his. He has like a morning, you know. The love boat with Simon, whatever. Yeah, like, I uh, liked him a lot. I felt like he was he was very likable. He was a good friend of Carl too, because Carl bunks with Thick Kevin, which um, you know, if you know British terms, like Thick <laughs> Thick Kevin does not mean thick with two C's. It means he's he's pretty dumb. Uh, so it's nice to get to see like. Carl also interact with someone who can really hold a conversation with him. So I really enjoyed his friendship with Simon. Um, Simon, poor Simon, has a very unfortunate um, storyline in this movie. He meets this girl and he's so excited. They get engaged. They get married on the ship. And then on their wedding night, she's like, actually, I only married you so I could live on the ship and have sex with another DJ. So I'll be moving out tonight and... um, you know, you can hear us in the next room if you miss me and um, have a nice life, basically, which is very sad because he was a nice guy. And then at the end, he so so towards the end of this movie, um, they have to move the boat because the the British government actually outlawed the pirate radio stations. Um, so they have to move the boat, and the boat hasn't been moved in so long that the engine blows up. And that's what we referenced yeah. at the very beginning of this episode. Yeah. So the, the boat starts to, like, just sink into the North Sea. Um, they put out sort of a distress call over their radio station and play music until everything sinks. Um, and right towards the end, like, almost like Dunkirk, this, you know, fleet of merchant, merchant fishermen and fans show up to, like, save their lives, essentially. Um, and, uh, someone there is, like, a huge fan of Simon, and they, they, he does you know, get his, he gets his, like, little happy ending there. Something else we need to talk to is Carl, um, finding his father. Yes. So, he, he kind of thinks that Quentin might be his father, um, which, fair enough, because Quentin says some very sexual things about Carl's mother to Carl. You don't think that way because she's your mom, but to us... Fine piece of ass or something like that. (laughs) So he thinks it might be Quentin, and his mom actually does come on the boat for the holiday. Um, And he kind of, it it ends up, do you remember how she phrases it? Oh, man. There's this very weird, like, 
kind of more secluded guy on the boat named Bob yeah. that people don't know very well. Um, but he knows Carl's mom. And Carl kind of asks about He's that. like, he's like, well then, is it, is it, or, no, he goes, have you ever had, have you, did you really have sex with Bob? And she goes, she goes, yeah. He goes, when? And she's like, how old are you? <laughs> and he goes, 18 and a half. And she goes, so about 19 and a quarter years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, well, now you've cracked that chestnut. I'm going to leave or something. I think she says yeah. that. I don't, I don't remember if that was exactly the phrase. Yeah. But. So he very nonchalantly finds out that this Bob Bob's guy his is dad. his dad. Yeah. What made me think of that is Bob has his own little fan club. Um, who saves him when he gets off the boat. Yeah. You know, all these people holding Bob signs up, which was very fun. Apparently he's the, like, late night shift, like the 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Yeah, shift people, because when they first introduce him, he, like, shows up to a meeting or whatever. And even, I think your dad said, or like, something. who is that? Everyone's like, and then everyone, oh. yeah, everyone on the show is like, who is that? Um, because nobody sees him. Who are you? He, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm Bob. I run the late night show. Oh, yeah, Bob. They still act like they don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really funny. When the ship is going down, and this was another thing your dad said like out loud, he was like, where is the Count? And he is the last person to like surface. He has this great emergence um, after everyone has already been rescued. And yeah. I... I Goes down with the ship, basically. Yeah, but I just... Uh, I am a sucker for a happy ending, and more and more so as I like am an adult and life can be hard sometimes. I just like want more of a happy ending. And to get to see... like. Even though the radio station was shut down and things weren't perfect, like, all everybody survives this, what could have been an absolute tragedy, um, and is rescued, and it's, like, a very triumphant ending, and I felt like that really fit the whole, like, tone of the movie. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was really cool. It's, like, one of those, like, oh, man, that would be, that would have been a really cool way to spend, like, a couple years, you know, just, like living on a boat, playing rock music for people, you know, like, what a cool formative experience for that kid. But, like, yeah, I, I, I I really like this movie. I give this movie an outstanding, which I haven't done in a while, I don't think. You haven't. Um, well, I mean, we both gave Wakanda uh, forever. Uh, yeah, but I don't think it really counts. I mean, it kind of does. Marvel movies are a bit of a... Sometimes a given at this point. I, I would say this time around, that like, actually kind of does count because the two before that we did not give outstandings. But I rated this one entertaining. I did really enjoy it. It's something I kind of, I told Peter afterwards, and it's something I was kind of thinking over. Like these sorts of stories that are very like character focused, um, maybe a little bit slower in some ways. I wouldn't say this was a slow movie by any means. Um, but maybe a little bit more introspective, like they're showing more than telling. I love that in a book. In a movie, it can be hit or miss for me. Um, so I I did really enjoy this movie. Like I said, I rate it entertaining. If it was a book, I feel like I maybe would have loved it. There's just something about, I think it's like a perspective thing. Like, if I can have that sort of story and be in the head 
of one of the people mm. in it, it's like much more impactful for me as opposed to like viewing it as an as an outsider. See, this this is interesting to me because I I view this movie. I like Almost Famous. It's a good movie. Um, but I think this movie was like better than Almost Famous to me. Um, one, they're both sort of in this sort of historical fiction space, right? Um, but like this one, I just had a lot more fun with. Maybe because it was British. Maybe it's because you know it's a little less depressing in some moments. Because there are some depressing parts of Almost Famous, even though there is like a semi happy ending to that show or that movie. But like, Autumn wouldn't know because the time we watched, we tried to watch Almost (laughs) Famous. She fell asleep halfway through, and then we didn't watch the rest of it. That was so, years ago, which too. Is, that wasn't that long ago. We weren't married. I think we were living here when we watched it. No, we weren't. That was a different movie. That was whatever the Will Ferrell one is. Stranger Than Fiction? Yeah, that's that one. Which Almost is also famous. sad. Cause so Almost Famous is a movie that, that Autumn should like on paper, and Stranger Than Fiction is also a movie that Autumn should like on paper, and she fell asleep halfway through both of them before we were doing this challenge. So we just never finished them. Yeah, I almost, really want to go back to Stranger Than Fiction because it actually, it's still, I've heard really good things about that movie. I liked it. I just fell asleep. That was, we have a routine now. I feel like I could like sit through it now. Almost Famous we watched at your parents' house. Oh, we did? Your, oh, Their yeah. house now. Yeah. Not the one when we started dating, but yeah. But if you do like movies or books about like, I feel like this is this bridges that gap because I know from like being really involved in the book community that the topic of celebrities as people you're following can be very polarizing. People either love books and movies about celebrities and they find it fascinating or they like absolutely hate it. And I feel like this is good for either camp because you have a lot of that element those elements of like celebrity and being famous but these guys aren't celebrities and in fact they're like pretty secluded on top of that Mm -hmm. so i feel like if you're someone who's like "Ugh, that is not for me or if you're someone who like seeks that out intentionally this movie could be a good one for you regardless which i think is pretty cool yeah yeah i i i like i said I, i thought this movie was great it was really good um i'm really happy so i picked out three different movies at the library and I was like, which one are we watching? And my mother picked this one. I'm glad she uh, did. And I'm glad she did, because I think the other two movies would have been fine. The other one was Pop Star, which you would have thought was hilarious. Right, but we can access that on HBO, yeah. I think, so. Um, and then the other one I picked was Kin, which I've heard really good things about. Um, it's a story of a little, like, a, this black kid who finds this, uh, he's, like, in this, like, horrible part of a, like, town, um... And his like situation's bad or something. He's got some gang going after him. He finds his like, I don't actually. I don't really know the plot that much. I think it's something to that effect. But he finds his like alien rifle and <laughs> finds out that he's. I don't know if it's. It's like some kind of hero thing that the gun shows him or something. And now he's like saving people. I don't remember. But it, it apparently it's it's like it can be pretty heavy. But I I want to watch that because it does sound really good. Um, yeah, I don't know. Both of those would have been fine, but this one I'm really glad we watched because it was this is the kind of thing my dad was like cool with watching too. He would not have liked to watch Ken, I don't think. Yeah. He, he probably would have been fine with Pop Star because it's comedy, you know. Yeah. But yeah, my but dad doesn't. He know. seemed to genuinely enjoy this, yeah. so that was nice. Yeah. A lot of good music too. Yeah. Banger soundtrack. All these really great bands, like really good stuff. 
As it should be. Because who would dare to make a movie about music and then add random music that doesn't fit into it in the yeah, same Yeah, that's kind of messed up. Elvis. <coughs> yeah, you know, putting weird, out-of-context songs in the 50s and 60s? Could be yeah. me. Who, who would do that? Uh, so that's why we talked about Peter's movie first, for the yes. reason that he explained. We watched it last week, and he and his mom kind of picked that. So I did put my foot down. And say, I'm picking the movie we watched this week. So we'll talk about that next. But first, we're going to take a quick break to talk about books, TV, all the other things we've been doing this week. I have not watched any movies on my own this week. I would have, but because Peter is going to be playing in a different D&D campaign this week, our recording schedule got switched around a little bit. So I am watching Avengers Infinity War uh, what will be tomorrow for me uh, as of recording this, but will have already happened by the time you're listening to it with my friend Michaela for our Marvel movie rewatch. It's been a while since we've gotten to one, so I'm excited, and I'm excited that it's Infinity War. Michaela actually set up a way for us to start rating these movies out of 10, which has been just, like, very hard <laughs> and, and mind-boggling, so I've been trying to figure that out, too. I have some plans to watch some, like, Hallmark-esque Christmas movies um, while Peter is working at night once I finally finish all my finals because I have one more week of grad school finals um, but I do plan on doing that because I love to just put those movies on and then do something totally unrelated where I don't have to pay attention to them at all because then I get like all the Christmas vibes and I can also like pick up wherever I left off so like you know I'll address our Christmas cards and do that or wrap presents and do that um and so I probably will be doing that. So I haven't watched, basically, I haven't watched any movies on my own, but I hope to eventually. I haven't seen any movies by myself. Do you hope to? No, not particularly. <laughs> there are a couple I'd like to watch with my buddies, but I'd have to get enough people on to want to, you know, watch them together. Fair enough. And this time of year, it's harder to yeah. coordinate those kinds of things. We have been watching Jane the Virgin. We have still continued on plugging away at that um i'm pretty happy with where we're at in the story now um it's been moving a lot faster for me what do you think um i mean i i think that it's been pretty good you know uh i'm i'm kind of interested to see what they're gonna do we're in like the last like what five episodes now i think so so like I don't know how they're going to resolve some stuff. But we'll find out, I guess. You know. I guess we'll see. Okay. Um, separately, I've been watching Love is Blind Season 3 with my friends Julie and Gina. We got back at that, that again this week. We have four episodes left, including the reunion. So I think we're hoping to do two and two um, in two more watch parties. Uh, it is... I have been spoiled for three different couples outcomes at this point so i do kind of like have an idea what's going to happen which is sad but oh well um and i also this week watched another couple episodes of the owl house um i was just telling peter i specifically watched one today because if you've been listening to this podcast you know um i'm watching this fantasy show on disney plus because the kids that i teach at sunday school at our church told me that i would love it 
And I watched the first episode, and I did really enjoy it. And now every time we have Sunday school, they ask me, like, specifically what episode I just left off on. And it had been a while since I'd watched it, because we haven't had Sunday school for the past couple weeks. So I watched one today specifically so that I could tell them uh, which episode I left off on. Which, honestly, it's good incentive, because I need to just keep working on my TV shows. I have so many. I have, have to watch season two of The Mandalorian. I have watched the first episode and I have not picked it up since. I think that's going to be another, like, there's going to be this period of time where I am done with school, but we have not yet gone back home to do the holidays with our family, where Peter will still be working, where I should be able to, like, do all of these things, but also I have to read all the books, so who knows. You watched a lot of TV, didn't you? Because you wanted to have a a lot to say for this, you said. Yes. Um, I am uh, almost done with a couple different shows now that I started watching. I did finish... Oh, God. What did I finish? I don't know. Um, uh, inside Job. You said you yes, I watched season two of Inside Job, which was fun. Um, that's a good one. Um, who's the, uh, why am I blanking on the actor that plays, um, Leslie's husband in Parks and Rec? His. Ben something. It is Ben something. Whatever. Uh, you know, it, he, he, he plays a character that shows up in this season, which was pretty good. Um, Inside Job is really fun. Uh, it's, the, the concept Adam is. Adam Scott is Adam the Scott, actor. Yes. Um, the, uh, it's, it's about, cog- about, well, this lady named Reagan, um, who, uh, works at Cognito, which is essentially this suit, this te- company that is the deep state. And they roll off with a lot of jokes about, like, shadow government kind of things. Um, and, uh, Adam Scott's character works for the Illuminati. It, it was very, int- it was very fun. Um... It was pretty cool. It had a nice little season arc that I enjoyed. Um, yeah. uh, and then on another... Uh, in another direction, um, I have been watching with my buddy Paul, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, which is incredible. Um, it's an anime based on the Cyberpunk video game that I talked about so much at the beginning of the year because I was playing it then. I didn't realize it was an anime. Um, it's, it is, it's on, it's on Netflix. Um, it's, it is so good. It is so sad. Um, the world of Cyberpunk is a brutal and unforgiving capitalist hellscape. Um, and this really leans into... A lot of those like tropes and these different, the idea of, of Night City, this like, you know, this weird, it's almost, I would almost consider it to be Las Vegas, but with, if it wasn't casinos, you know, it's in that kind of area, this big like desert zone. Maybe it's like LA. I'm not entirely sure. I think it's supposed to be kind of LA area. Um, it is, it is like, it is such like a brutal place to live and that it's just, I mean, there's so much high tech stuff, but you know, if you can't afford like different insurance packages, then no one's going to treat you and you just die. And they'll, you know, it's, there are some like brutal aspects to it. And of course it's cyberpunk. So it talks about these sort of neo humanism, um, 
tropes uh, and the the whole ideas of of you know if you begin to make more of your body um, like cybernetic augments and different replacing different body systems with like essentially robot parts like what like how that changes your humanity um, and there it deals with this there's a concept called cyberpsychosis in this in cyberpunk universes where you make too much of your body chrome as they call it um, you kind of lose yourself and go crazy if you if you uh, like there's like everyone has their own limit to how much how many different mods they can have and it's it's not an exact science and some people go nuts and like on like you know psychopathic killing sprees whatever because um, they lose it uh, and so they're, this it's they're dealing with that with those issues with the main character right now because he starts out as this kid who has this one like super powerful um, mod installed after his mom dies and then at this point like they did a little bit of a time skip and now he's like mostly chromed himself out and he, he you you see him like start to have these little like shakes and like you know odd like visual glitches for himself where he's like he's kind of losing it a little bit um and his like girlfriend's like trying to tell him to like dial it back and stuff but he's an edge runner like a cyberpunk one of these uh mercenary kind of people so that he, he and he's basically was forced to after the previous boss dude who was like everybody's like kind of like their cool dad succumb to his own cyber psychosis sort of thing like he felt like he had to take over the reins of the crew and like so it's this really like sad leadership role thing and his girlfriend just got kidnapped at the end of the episode i was in so i'm like oh this is awesome we have two episodes left it's such a good story in that world that i already immersed myself in earlier this year and it it feels it is the same as the game basically because like they have some of the same little graphics for like when they're on phone calls and stuff with people and when they get like money transferred to them and things like that um you see some characters like rogue from the uh from the uh, actual game, she runs the afterlife uh, bar, and you see her for a minute. You see some other characters that are like, "Oh, that that person was in the game," um, and it's just really neat. It's just a continuation of the area, and it is. It was. It is on the list for the Game Awards right now to be um, in one of the best video game adaptation categories, and I did vote for it, even though I hadn't seen it yet. Um, I saw the other one. One of the other ones was in that category, which is Arcane, which is also really good. Um, but this is just. It's it is like a genre that I really like. Um, otherwise, I have been with my buddy Emer. We're watching Shorzy. Um, it's a little spinoff of Letterkenny about one of the characters named Shorzy. Who you don't really see his face at all in the original Letterkenny show because he's played by the same by Jared Kiso, the same guy who plays Wayne, who is the main character of Letterkenny. So he couldn't play two different people. So they brought they have a little spinoff series. It's only six episodes long. I'm three episodes into it. Um, it's just, he's a hockey player and it's just them playing hockey. Um, such a banger soundtrack for that. Like some awesome electronics, some awesome like fight music when they like get into fights because it's hockey. Um, really cool, really, like, and just like the funniest like Canadian like character acting humor kind of things. You know, like one guy's a Newfoundland guy and he just talks completely different to everybody else and it sounds kind of funny, but he... And they all have, they're all like missing teeth because they're hockey players and stuff. It, it's it's very good. Um, and then, uh, oh, what was the last thing? I started today, um, I put a little bit of time into watching uh, on my break some All Noah Zero, 
another anime I'd started and talked about on the podcast before I was on my degree. Um, I'm only like three or four episodes into it, I think. But uh, it is, uh, the concept is, uh, like I've already talked about just being a trope, uh, Mars has people on it and they hate Earthlings and they, you know, want to be the original humans, whatever. Um, so this like Mars has attacked, um, the all Martian humans have attacked the Earth humans and have like committed to genocide already essentially. And it's, they're, they're like these, it's like this ragtag group of resistance people on in the mil- in the Earth military, like trying to win against these god tier angel machines they're basically fighting and it's uh they they just killed one of the first like enemy mechs which is really hard but they, they figured it out you know because the main character is like a genius you know um so yeah that was really cool i'm continuing to get into that i actually had something else to watch when i when i couldn't watch the stuff i was watching my friends so our next category is books. I am reading both of the same things that I kind of mentioned last week that I had started. So my audiobook I'm listening to is called The Christmas Clash. Um, it is set in a mall at Christmas time, which has been very fun for me. I'm pretty sure it's a YA. You have two teenage characters. Their parents both own restaurants in the mall. Um, I believe the girl character's parents have a Korean restaurant and the boy character's uh, parents have a Chinese restaurant. But then on top of that, both of these kids work in the mall. So the girl takes photos for Santa's village and the boy works for this new, like, Santa's sleigh VR experience um, thing. And so it's, it's just, it feels very Christmassy because of the mall setting, which makes it a lot of fun. Um, it is a hate-to-love sort of romance. Um, hopefully it goes pretty quick. That's kind of why I picked it up in the first place. I want the Christmas vibes, but I also want to meet my Goodreads goal. Um, what I'm reading physically is Thistlefoot by Jenna Rose Nethercott. Uh, it is based on the story of Baba Yaga, and it is her about her descendants they've been gifted her house uh, so it's Bellatine and Isaac they're a brother and sister they've been kind of estranged and they're gifted this house on chicken legs and Bellatine really wants it but Isaac does not uh, but he does kind of need to use it so he makes a deal with his sister that they will go on this tour to put on this puppet show that their parents are famous for doing uh, and at the end of the year, he gets all the winnings uh, for the money that they've collected, and she will get the house. Uh, but there's someone chasing them who wants the house, and they don't know much about that or what that means. This book is really fun because there are some chapters that are told by the house that sort of take you back in time and talk about the house itself and Baba Yaga as a character, which has been very fun. I love a moving house. Howl's Moving Castle is my favorite book of all time, um, which obviously features a moving castle. Uh, The Owl House, the show I mentioned that I'm watching, um, had an episode where it grew chicken legs and started walking around like uh, Baba Yaga's house. So I'm just a sucker for magical realism as a whole, but when it kind of even goes a step further and is part of the the buildings and the structure of the world. I'm just, I just love it so much. So I finally had time to like really sit down and read that for about an hour today. And I'm looking forward to getting to do that a little bit more often as soon as I'm done with finals. Yeah. Um, I've been reading the deep South still nothing, no, nothing new to report. 
What about games? Uh, playing Call of Duty. I might start playing Warhammer 40k Dark Tide sometime soon, but I've been enjoying just like mindlessly playing COD and listening to other stuff. So that's pretty much what we're gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna go invest a, investigate a noise that I heard in our in our apartment because it sounds like something fell over. Well, in case you were concerned, that sound was just a a cutting board that fell off the kitchen island so we are safe all is good <laughs> the dog is fine uh moving on to our second movie i wanted to watch serendipity i was really i wanted to watch a cozy movie here's like the whole the the, the story of how we ended up watching 13 going on 30 i wanted to watch a cozy movie i was looking up like that sort of movies with that sort of vibe and I just kept seeing When Harry Met Sally everywhere. And I just wanted to watch it so bad. So we watched it last year and we loved it so much. But I didn't really want to watch it because I wanted to watch something new. Um, I used to basically just rewatch movies. But ever since we started this project, it's been a lot more fun to be able to watch new things. So I wanted something that would give me those similar vibes. So I was like, okay, we're going to do a rom-com. It's like, we're going to finally watch Serendipity. Um, Peter's mom has recommended it to me as like a good classic rom-com. I had it on my list when we did our episodes like midway through the year. We're like, what movies would you like to get to by the end of the year? It's like, I want to watch Serendipity. And then we went to go stream it and you have to have stars on top of having Hulu. And we're not in a position right now where we're looking to uh, subscribe to a bunch of extra stuff. So... I decided that I was going to pick something else. So I got on HBO, and lo and behold, they had their own grouping of movies category for cozy movies. And so I saw 13 going on 30 on there, and I was like, you know what? That's the vibes. I'm just going to pick it. I'm not going to overthink it. And I rated this movie outstanding. I loved it. I thought it was so fun. This stars uh, Jennifer Garner and Mark Ruffalo primarily, but it starts out with some younger uh, actors at the time. It's about Jenna Rank, who, it is her 13th birthday on the start of the movie, and she and her friend Maddie are going to be celebrating and having a party. Uh, she and Maddie are next door neighbors. That's Matty, M-A-T-T-Y. Um, he is a photographer, and they're just, they're best friends. They have a lot of fun together, but Jenna desperately wants to be one of the popular kids um, who walk around in a in a clique with their high blonde ponytails because this is a, a early 2000s movie and I'm sure that part was about the 90s. Um, and she desperately wants to be a part of this clique called the Six Chicks uh, and she wants to date one of the boys that they hang out with uh, and so she makes a wish on her 13th birthday that she could be 30, flirty, and thriving because her favorite magazine, Poise Magazine, uh, had an article about that that she had read recently. Her friend Maddie had given her a dream house that he had constructed for her uh, and put some wishing dust on top. And while she's making this wish, the dust falls on top of her and she wakes up 30. Um, and a lot of just very funny, awkward, will give you secondhand embarrassment uh, antics ensue after that. But basically, this movie is just about how the things 
that are important to you when you're 13 maybe aren't the things that actually matter. And Jenna is given a way to kind of see into the future and see like what what does happen if I prioritize the things I'm thinking about prioritizing now, popularity and getting the right guy and all of these things. And she sees into the future and she's not happy. Like she's successful, she has a great job. Um, she's making a lot of money. She has a famous boyfriend, but she's not happy and she's not a nice person and so she's given the chance to kind of go back in time and, and rectify that what did you think of this movie peter i thought it was all right it wasn't bad i, I some of the secondhand embarrassment parts were real bad like the the part where um judy greer's character tells her that this that cute guy is looking at her and she like walks over this 13 year old kid sitting at a table yeah it was pretty bad <laughs> Ugh, i don't watch it but uh, yeah it was it was fun i i think that jennifer garner jessica alba and what's her name uh the lady from was a pretty woman julia roberts julia roberts um there are certain ages for them where they all just mix together for me and I cannot, I cannot for the life of me tell them apart. They just, it's just like the thin brunette, like Autumn said this before we started, like I, I just, I can't, they just all look the same to me. But that doesn't really matter for this. No, but like, I, I just, so I'm, I was like, who the hell is that? Like this whole, the whole time I was watching, I was like, I was like, I know, I don't know who it is, but like, you know, it just, it just like throws me off. You have to admit though, Jennifer Garner does a great job playing oh, absolutely. a 30 I'm not year old acting was bad who is mentally 13 yes i cannot even imagine how challenging that would have been because her her body language her facial expressions like she really she really came through like yeah. she is herself but is able to kind of embody this idea of like there is a 13 year old mm -hmm. living in her brain um one of the fun parts of the movie is she befriends um, a 13-year-old girl who is her neighbor at this apartment complex where she lives, and, and they, like, kind of become very close, and uh, then she becomes very close with all her friends, and they're, like, having sleepovers and things like that. Because um, you can kind of just see that she... Uh, it's just kind of cool how she sort of fixes this life for 30-year-old her by bringing her 13-year-old self into it. Like, she's just kinder and bubblier, and she is a better person to be around. And you see these people who, like, respected her as a 30-year-old grow to like her, like, genuinely like her, um, yeah. as she is her 13-year-old self. Uh, what we have not even gotten to is the romance. Ruffalo? I loved Mark Ruffalo in this movie! Young Ruffalo. Oh my gosh, he's just something, I, I told Peter, I don't get like movie, book, TV crushes all that often. And whenever I do, it's usually because there is like something about them that like reminds me of Peter in a sense. And like Mark Ruffalo is such a dork. <laughs> and, and because of that, I found him, he's just an endearing dork, which is what my husband is. So I just like found him so so wonderful to watch and I was really rooting for them but another thing that I loved is like in this uh, I don't know parallel universe we'll say he does not just shut down his whole life to be with her like he it's very realistic and like he's like I loved you 
but this isn't gonna work. Like, you can't just, like, disappear from my life, come back and pretend nothing happened and we, you know, everything's fine. Like, I'm gonna marry the girl I was planning on marrying, do all those things. Um, and I like that he did that. And then she does get the chance to go back in time, be a good friend to him, and, and they end it. up married. Yeah. Because um, otherwise, like, I mean, everything falls apart for her in the original, like, her, like, warp timeline. So if she didn't get to go back, it would have just been like a, huh? Yeah, that sucks. Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was fun. I like, her boss was also a fun character. He was. Right? And I did not know that was Andy Circus. Yeah, when I, I pulled up the IMDb page, I looked at that and I was like, huh, I'm surprised Peter didn't say anything about that. Yeah, he's, it's because they did his hair, I think. He, yeah, he's, that's he was a very like, well put together businessman guy. But like, oh, that's Andy Circus. He plays Ulysses Claw in the Marvel movies, you know. Um, he's literally Gollum in The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like, I mean, I. I, I love Andy Serkis. He's he's great. He is such a versatile actor. Speaking of Marvel, we've got Andy Serkis. We've got Mark Ruffalo. And I also found out uh, Brie Larson plays one of the six chicks. So we also have Captain Marvel in this movie, which is pretty fun. Yeah, that was, that was pretty wild. Oh, man. I am actually surprised I like this movie as much as I did because something that... I have really come to terms with um, just solidly is I don't like time travel. I, I hate it. I avoid it at all costs. And this isn't necessarily time travel. It's when it comes to stories more like this, it's like very hit or miss. Like, does it feel too time travel-y and I don't like it or not? I think for this one, because we did skip ahead and then just spent enough time there, um, but she was still mentally the same character, it like worked well for me in a sense. Um, but yeah, that time travel, body switching, all those sorts of things, like, I don't really gravitate towards. So I, I expected to like this movie, but I did not expect to love it. And I, I did love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I that is kind of interesting. I didn't even think about that when we were watching. Cause yeah, you usually viscerally negative react to time stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, I mean, I was hesitant to pick this one, but I was like, I want to watch all the classic rom-coms. And because we couldn't watch Serendipity and this was the first one that popped up for Cozy, I was like, that's, we're just going to do it. We're going to check another one off the list. Yeah, this one was like, you know, the whole, that whole trope of that time travel thing. I, I was at the beginning worried it was going to like just make her 30, but still in the like late 80s or whenever they started this. Yeah, I was like, you... oh God, please. You asked me what it was going to do, and I was like, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I was that would have been, I don't think that would have been nearly as enjoyable. No, it would not have been. And then we wouldn't have gotten all the cringe comedy. Well, we wouldn't have gotten uh, Mark Ruffalo, which would have been a real shame. It yeah, is, fair enough. It is so like interesting to me how his character handles the situation. I feel like he also like his acting, the way he plays that situation off, is like very authentic because he is like hesitantly helpful. Yeah. He's like incredulous the entire time. Like, I don't quite believe this is happening because she just shows up at his doorstep. Oh, you know what else is great? Yeah. A great part of this movie is you can tell 
what whatever version of Jenna, the 30-year-old that we don't get to see, like, really mistreated her personal assistant. Yeah, it's like a super office. asshole. Yeah. yeah. And they become such good friends to the point where Jenna's working on this big plan to save the magazine. <laughs> and her boss is there and wants to know about it. And she's like, oh, I can't talk right now. Arlene, are you coming? And Arlene, like, gets this big smile on her face and, like, leaves the desk and they go work on this project together. I loved that. I thought that was such a fun part of this movie. I also just, like, not to get super deep or anything, but personally have been kind of on this journey of just, like, letting myself remember and love the things that I used to love as a kid. Yeah. And I feel like this movie, that's, like, what is at the heart, you know? It's, like, remembering, like, the joyful things. Because there are just so many things that we forget that we can still do as adults. Like, I think for Peter and I, ever since we got our dog, we have, like, I feel like our, our happiness has significantly increased because we play again. Mm. There's just so many, like, it, it's almost like as an adult, you need an excuse to to play. And I, I feel like we we already do that more than the average adults because you have your, your D&D stuff and I'm always, like, doing all sorts of projects. But there is just, like, the simplicity and, like, sitting down and playing and ever since we've had our dog like we've been able to do that again and I just think like just the joy that uh, Jennifer Gardner is able to convey as this mentally 13 30 year old is just like I don't know there's just this great message of just like this childlike happiness that we can keep even as adults there's this I mean, it, it definitely starts out as a very, like, secondhand embarrassment-inducing scene that ends up being kind of fun, I think. But they're at this party for the magazine, and it's dead. And everyone is going home, and her boss is like, oh my gosh, this is a total disaster. And she saves it by putting on Thriller and starting to do the Thriller dance. And she gets everyone in the room to do it. And it just kind of, I don't know, it just conveyed that message yeah. of, like, you can still have fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then she, like, makes, you know... <laughs> I want you to talk about her outfits. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> she wore the most ridiculous... Sh- we, we, were, we were watching. She puts on this dress for this, you know, this the party. party. Yeah. yeah. And she, like, it's like this gaudy pink and green and blue 90s nightmare of a dress with this, like garish butterfly necklace and her hair looks like absolute gar looks like a, a pigeon like attacked it repeatedly <laughs> Peter. and and she shows up and her boss is just like i love this look <laughs> like oh god i told peter i was like that is exactly like what happens now with, like, the Kardashians could wear anything. And people would be like, that is high fashion. Yeah, I said they could haul out a teddy bear and wear that. And someone would be like, wow. <laughs> and that's, she works, Jenna Rink works for fashion. So she is wearing something, even if it looks absolutely crazy compared to everyone else. Like, it, I guess it's fashion. It was funny because as she, like, was going to the event in the movie, Peter was like, this is going to be a Met Gala level event and she's gonna look like this and then they pan to everyone else dressed up and uh, he was right on the money with that one <laughs> she definitely stood out in her outfit yeah it was wild 
And yeah, there are a couple other outfits. Like she has porcupine quills in her head at yeah, some point. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> a little manic pixie dream fashion crazy lady to me, but I don't know. It... I will say the scenes that made me the most uncomfortable were that that scene with um, her hitting on the thirteen-year-old boy, and then also the like she has a boyfriend in this scenario, um, and he is like strip teasing for her uh but she's not actually a 30 year old so that that is like a little bit actually a lot of bit of uncomfortable from an audience perspective but also like you know she's 30 so that would yeah. be a realistic thing that might happen for her yeah yeah so how would you rate this in comparison to other rom-coms that we've watched so like uh you've got mail for example this was better than You've Got Mail. You've Got Mail wasn't a bad movie necessarily, but the, I just thought that her, his systematic destruction of her life and then her just cool being friends with him was kind of messed up. What about um, Notting Hill? Uh, Notting Hill was much better than You've Got Mail. Um, I think Notting Hill... I think... I thought that was... better than this the love interest wasn't as good though i think the movie was better but the love with the romance portion was worse yeah it's yeah Peter, we have complicated feelings on notting hill because like it was good like it was well done protagonist but like she's just a dick yeah she's not likable um what about something to talk about i don't remember that movie that was um the older couple I still don't remember that movie. Okay. Well, obviously you liked When Harry Met Sally. Oh, something to talk about. Was that Jack Nicholson? Yes. Okay. No, I did like that one quite a bit now that I forgot that, you know, they all have very I generic just, names. I know, and I was ready uh, to just, like, move on, sweep that under the rug, because I was like, did I say it wrong? <laughs> I don't know. It might, maybe. I, I I'm pretty confident no that's the name of it, but... Yeah, that one... I liked that one. I liked something to talk about. Uh, it was actually fun. Jack Nicholson was fun. Um... I think that that one was probably something to talk about. I think might be better than Notting Hill for me. Okay. Just because it was entertaining, you know. Yeah, and I know you're gonna say when Harry Met Sally is still. Yeah, when Harry Met Sally is still. It's top, top tier. That was so, it's such a good for me rom-com. too. I like I rated thirteen going on thirty outstanding too, but nothing. I just. Nothing's ever going to top when Harry met Sally. It literally has everything. I think I love you, man, though. We even watched that part of our thing. You claim you've never seen it. I think that's a lie. I think we watched it together in your basement when we were dating. But, uh... Peter, when you argue with your wife, you never win. This man... All right, listen. It's Paul Rudd and... I know it's Paul Rudd. Jason Seagal, and they're both... Like, they eat fish tacos at one point. Like, it's like this whole, like, you know, there's a, like, a long bit about them being awesome fish tacos. Okay, in a similar vein to um, how this podcast usually ends, we have gotten a little bit off topic and I guess have things we have to discuss. We're, we're running <laughs> off on a tangent here. All right. But I do want to end by saying something exciting. These movies are number 98 and 99 for the year. So the next movie that we watch 
is going to be our 100th movie. And I get the picket. That's right, meaning that we reached our goal for the year. Last year, I believe we watched 102, um, and that's with us having started in February. So, who knows how many we'll get, but we'll definitely reach 100. Yep, so. it's going to be Saving Private Ryan. I'm excited about that. Oh, you're finally going to watch that? Yeah, so are you. We have some... Prepare yourself. It's a little gory. (laughs) We have some exciting uh, episodes coming up as well. Um, We're going to do a big wrap-up for all the movies that we've watched this year. Um, We are not going to be listing them all. If you want to know what they are, you can just scroll down and look at the title names for all of these episodes. But we'll be talking about our favorites, our most surprising, disappointing. I'm excited about that. And um, we're kind of talking over now, potentially doing an episode, something along the lines of like everything but the film. So like to get to talk about the TV shows we've finished and the books that we've loved this year um, and those sorts of things. So lots of exciting things coming. um, But the most exciting of all is we're about to hit 100 Mm -hmm. next week. So we'll talk to you then with our 100 and hopefully 101st movies of the year. Woo!